morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. It's great to be back. We've been gone for a few weeks, and our staff has done just a great job speaking on Sundays, and, and I, I just really am grateful for each each uh, of the men that spoke and the, the time they put into that and the sacrifice that they uh, made in order to just keep things moving smoothly here. And, and it was great being here some of those Sundays and, and then even being gone and getting reports and just hearing how uh, helpful that those messages really were. And so... But it's great to be home after having been gone. We were on a, a road trip, kind of a, it was an enjoyable road trip, up and down the coast of, of uh, California, and then over to Nevada for a wedding. Got to be a part of uh, two two weddings. And so one of the guys got married yesterday in uh, North Las Vegas, and, and I have an uncle who lives in North Las Vegas, and so it was fun. We got to visit with some family over there as well. But I'm really glad to just be home and be able to sleep in my own bed, and it's just it's nice to be back here with you. Last week, Bruce, he, he started this new series called Sundays, and, and we're looking at what is, what is so important about Sunday. We're trying to answer this question. What is the big deal with Sunday morning? What's, what's so big and important about this day? Why do we set aside a day each week to worship and gather like this? And depending on your, your background, Sunday could mean all sorts of things, and so... Sunday could, if you, you know, if you were raised in a certain kind of church, then Sunday for you might be like choirs and fried chicken. And, uh, you know, some of you, that was your, that was your upbringing. Choirs and fried chicken. And, uh, and, and for others, maybe Sunday was an extra day to work on the house. You know, an extra day to just get some house projects done. Uh, maybe for you, Sunday involved like dressing up really nice and going to mass. Uh, could be that Sunday for you is all about football. Maybe Sunday is still all about football and, and food, you know, and you're just like, I can't wait to see the games. Uh, and, you know, or, or, or maybe Sunday for you is just another day. This is just another day after Saturday, and it's right before I, you know, go back to work on Monday. And so all of our experiences are different as it relates to Sunday. For me, as a, as a kid who grew up in church, since I was pretty much born, Sunday was, was all about two things. I, I didn't take God very seriously till I was in college. But so growing up, Sunday was really about two things. Music and magic tricks. And, uh, and the reason why is because the, my, my dad, he was our associate pastor at our, at the churches I was at growing up. And so, but the senior pastor of, of the, the two churches I was raised in, the first church, it was up in far northern California in Sonoma, and my dad was the associate pastor there, but the senior pastor, the one who did most of the speaking, you know, during, I was there during grade school, his name was Pastor Bill, and he, he would call all the kids from the church up to the very front of, of the church, and all the kids would sit in the front on the floor in the front row, and everyone would gather, and it was like the, the kids' time, and he was a magician. We didn't, t- we didn't call him a magician because, you know, you know, it's illusions, you know, for, you know. And so he, he was an illusionist. And so he would, he would talk about a point and he would teach like some sort of an object lesson, but he would use illusions to illustrate his points. And he would just captivate all, all of us kids. And so every week you're wondering, what's he going to pull out of a hat or what's he going to pull out of my ear or my nose or, you know, it's like he's doing all sorts of things, but he would use his, his magic tricks to just kind of teach something. Sometimes he'd have puppets, and the puppets would help him with his magic. He was quite a skilled individual. He was a pretty amazing pastor to be able to do all of that 
And then, you know, the time would come to an end and the, the, the organist or the piano player would play a little tune and everyone knew that meant it's time for us kids to stand up and we'd march off to our, to our classes. And, but that was like what we did. And I would always look forward to the magic tricks that I'd get on Sunday. And later on, uh, around seventh grade year, we moved up to, uh, Pismo Beach, or moved down to Pismo Beach, which is on the central coast, and our, our senior pastor there, his name was Bob. And Pastor Bob, he was a musical pastor. And so, he had a, a, a really amazing voice, very, very low, deep, I think it was called the baritone voice. So it was, but the guy was just phenomenal at singing. And every service, he would burst into song, midpoint in his message. So he would just be preaching, and then all of a sudden he would just be like, and Jesus was walking, and he said that, and he would burst into a familiar song, and he'd, he'd step down from the podium, and he'd walk down the center aisle, and he'd sing hymns or choruses. And after about, like, one line, everyone knew the song, because he did this every week, and he had a repertoire of songs that he would do, and it was kind of his go-to songs, and we all learned them. And so, you know, he would be like, and and he walks with me, and he and then everyone would be like, and he talks with me. And you'd have to be there to experience this and to know what I'm talking about. But it was kind of a fun deal. And I mean, even today, like sometimes, I mean, my wife can attest to this. Sometimes I'll burst in a song. Not that I'm a singer, but it's a lot of these songs that I grew up singing. And uh, just he was, you know, he would he would do it. And he was a cappella, and he was he was really good at what he did. I'm not capable of music or magic. So on a Sunday here, you know, you come here and, and you know, I, I'm, I've got the gifting I've got. Now, I don't have musical, you know, skills like that. I don't have magic skills. I don't have dance skills. I can't. I was in a wedding yesterday, and I give my wife at least one dance per wedding. That's the deal we have. At least one, because I'm rhythmically challenged. And, and, and so we... I. I did the dance, and then I was stuck in the middle of the dance floor, and they started this new song, the Cupid Shuffle. Apparently, some of you guys know this. And so people are doing this, and I'm in the middle, and I'm stuck between a crowd of people. And so everyone's moving this way, and then they're moving this way, and then they're doing something with their feet. And I'm like, oh gosh, (laughs) there's no way out. And so I just settled. I settled in, and I gave it a try. And and I don't think it was that bad. But growing up, in America, but I'm not going to, you know, develop the dancing for you. You know, it's not going to be a weekly thing. So, but growing up in America, you could have a hundred different, especially in a group this size, you could have a hundred different experiences when it comes to Sunday and what you might expect to happen on a Sunday here. And so, this is an important question: What is Sunday all about? Why do we gather for this? You know, what is this gathering of Christ followers all about? And what you think about? When you think of a Sunday, it may be very different than the person next to you when they think about a Sunday. And our expectation for a Sunday morning has a major impact on the quality of our experience. Whatever you have come here expecting is going to influence what you walk away with or what you're experiencing right now. It's going to influence whether or not you feel comfortable. It's going to influence whether or not you hear from God or not. Because it's very easy, depending on your experience, to just shut off if you're in an uncomfortable, an unfamiliar environment. It's going to also influence whether you feel comfortable enough to really want to plug in with us and become a part of, of this church. And so that's why we're looking at what, what is Sunday all about. And more importantly, 
not just the day of the week, but what, what is the gathering of the Christian community on a Sunday all about? And so some of what we plan to deal with in this series is, what is God's viewpoint on this gathering? We want to know, what is the purpose of all of this? Why, and then how do we not grow stale in this routine that we do weekly? Last week, Bruce got us started. He did a great job of getting us started on, what is, why is it that we sing? What, what are we trying to accomplish as we sing together? And it's really important that we join and we, we sing together. We lift our voices to God in worship and praise. And if you missed that message, it's on our website. The next few weeks, we're going to be looking at why do we serve? Why do we give? But today, I want to look at and really answer this question here. Why do we gather around God's Word weekly? Why is it that we focus so much on the Bible? Every week, never fail, whoever's speaking is, is speaking from the Scripture. They're basing their message on what the Scripture teaches. And why is it that we do that? Why not just gather and, and, and do something different? Why not extend singing the whole time? You know, why not we just just get after it and do Christian things, you know, in our community? Why, why do we gather and actually get instruction from God's Word each week? It's, it's really central to all that we do here, the Bible. But, but for some, that may seem really strange to make the Bible central. And it's becoming stranger to a growing number of Americans to build anything around the Bible. Because some people would say, today, in our culture... You know, I hear often, oh, the Bible is full of inconsistencies, or I'll hear, oh, it's, it's old-fashioned, it's antiquated. It, it doesn't square up with science and with everything we know from this modern world, it, you know, or, or it's just a bunch of fairy tales. So when we say, here at OCC, here at this church, we give the Bible the central role in our service. It actually dictates what we sing, what we don't sing. It, 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 it guides all that we do. When we say that, that may not make much sense in our culture. But when you read the New Testament, when you read the Bible, and you see what the church was doing, that's exactly what Jesus had to say about the Scripture and the place, the prominent place that it needed to have among Christians. When you read what the apostles did and wrote about, and when you read about the early church leaders, the first uh, few centuries of Christianity, the Bible you just see in the history of the church, the Bible is to be central to our lives and to the church. It just needs to be central. Paul wrote this. Bruce focused on this verse last week. Paul wrote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So God's word should dwell. It's like God's word should be at home in us. For a Christ follower. God's word should take up residence. It should be at home in us. We should soak it up like you'd soak up like a sponge God's Word. It says teaching and admonishing one another. That's those words like you know, getting instruction or trying to solve life's problems. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, why? Why does it make sense to give the Bible this central role in our gathering? And there's really a lot of answers to this question, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to focus on today some of the things that the Bible provides that the human race cannot get anywhere else and we desperately need. These are some things that we cannot get anywhere else and we desperately need these, these three things to be true in our lives of the Bible. So the first thing is this. The Bible provides a level. The Bible provides a level for your life. Now, I haven't left a lot of room in your listening guide for notes, and so... 
these first three things, there's a lot I had to say about them. And so you, you can certainly jot down notes on the back related to those three. But it's like a level. The Bible itself is like a level. It's, it's, it's a tool of measurement. Now, if you've ever attempted to level a picture up on your wall, maybe you were decorating or you're filling up your walls, and your job was to level something, have you noticed how difficult it is to just go up and just to, just to nail in holes and put up a picture and then to do that again? You, you, most of us just don't have the ability to pull that off. We, if we're good, we can step back and we can kind of, okay, I need to do this there, and we can kind of, you know, kind of step back from the wall and, and put holes in the wall and, and hope for the best. But most of the time, we need a level. We actually need a tool. Now, here's a picture of one. You need a tool to help you out, to tell you if these pictures are level. Maybe occasionally you can nail it. Most, most of the time, we need a tool. If you're ever laying like a foundation or if you've ever laid flooring or concrete, again, you, you need a level in order to have the strongest base of support. You want to make sure that you... That you that this foundation or this floor is going to last for a long time. And if, because if things aren't level, what happens? Over time, cracks start to form in the foundation. Problems will show up down the road. Now, when it comes to our lives, we all have levels already for our lives. We already have a level. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's you. You're, you. You are, in a way, your own level. Your perspective, what you think about life, shapes so much of your behavior. The way you think. Another level that you and I have is other people. We look around at other people and they are often the levels to our lives. Most of the time we look around, we look and see what are they wearing and then we we see, do I measure up? How do I compare to this person and what they're wearing or or what they're what they own? You know, we look around and see what 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 is their family like, and we we treat other people like a level, and we just compare ourselves to how they look, how they do life. The problem is this: when you use other people as your level, here's the problem: no one is really that good. There's no one that's really that good. Nobody's life is perfectly level. Everybody's crooked, right? I mean. You, you look around at the best in the room or the best and the brightest in the, in the car. Nobody's that good. The scripture says there's not anybody that's righteous, not, not even one. And so our lives are crooked and we've got problems and holes. And, and so there, there's no one that I know, no human that I know currently living that is, their life is so perfect that they can direct every detail of my life. There's just not a person like that. And that's why God gave us His Word. Because if we'll build our lives on what He says, then our lives will stand the test. Look at Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Jesus, at the end of a famous sermon, He had just spoken on all sorts of issues related to real life. And then He says in summary about all of His words, He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, He had just spoke about relationships, about our words, our money, Eternity. He talks about all these different things. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now the word he's using there to describe rock is not just like a pebble. He's saying a massive expanse of bedrock that is solid and unmovable. It's this word in Greek that has to do with giant bedrock that is immovable. Okay, It's not this little stone. He's saying if you build on my words, if you're a one who does 
what I say, Jesus is saying, you, you do what Jesus says, you're like a wise man building your house on a massive expanse of bedrock that is completely immovable. Here's what happens. When the rain fell, the floods come, and the winds blow, and beat on that house, it didn't fall. Why? Well, because it had been founded on this rock, this massive bedrock that's immovable. That's Jesus' words. That's the Word of God. The Bible is, it's immovable. It is totally reliable for a base of support. Compared to this, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. So, you hear what God says, you hear the Bible taught, but you don't do it. He says, you'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. It's like you're building on sand. He says, compared to rock, it's, it's loose, it's shifting. You, you can't build a life on that. And so what do we do? When we gather on Sundays, the reason we gather weekly around God's Word is because we are challenged by God's Word to evaluate our lives and our perspective to see if things line up with what's true. We're checking for level every single week. We're taking a step back from our lives and we're saying, oh, we're a little bit crooked today. We do this individually. We also do this as a group. Sometimes God speaks to the whole group of us about something very similar. Sometimes God just zeroes in on something more personal for individuals. But we're taking a step back from our own lives and we're looking into the Bible together and we're checking for level. And if things aren't level in our lives, it gives us a chance to shore some things up, to correct our thinking. Otherwise, here's what happens. Otherwise, it's just a matter of time, Jesus says. But this is our lives. You're building a life on something, and it, the storms are going to come. The winds are going to come. He, he, the conditions are all the same for the life that we live. Storms, winds, rains. We all face the same types of trials and pressures. However, we choose to build on rock or sand. And so what do we need to do? We need to check our level regularly. And when we notice, man, my life is not level, then we address it. We don't just listen and then ignore it. We do something with that. Second, the Bible serves as a compass. The Bible serves as a compass. I don't know if you've ever used a compass before, but you know, you use it when you're hiking or backpacking or, you know, traveling you know, maybe if you're an explorer, you might use a level or a, a compass, you know, to go hunting new, you know, territory, which, you know, that's probably not us here. But, but you know, the compass points to true north, right? This is a directional tool. It tells us where to go. It helps us navigate as we face, you know, forks and crossroads. A, a compass keeps us from wandering off course. That, that is critical. It's critical right now, culturally, politically with all that's going on in our world. There, there is so much going on right now in our world. It's critical that we have, we have direction. Oftentimes when the major issues of our day begin to rock our world, we can easily just be led forward through our intuition or through our feelings. We turn on the news or we experience personally the problems that we're facing as a, as a, as a country, as a people. All, all the division. As we look at all that's going on, it's so natural for us to feel our way forward, isn't it? Oh, what? It just doesn't feel... It feels like I need to do this. It feels like I need to do that. And so what do we do? We trust our feelings and we're guided by our own intuition, our own thoughts, our own perspective. And the problem is our feelings can take us to very unsafe 
and sometimes, oftentimes, very dangerous places. And so what do we need? We need a compass. We need something that says, this is true north. And so the Bible, it, it points us to true north. So we know how to respond with every problem, with every hurt of life, to all pain, to all the trouble, because God, He's not silent in all of those things. He has spoken to them. And He reveals His heart in His Word. Look at Second Timothy 3, verses 16 and verse 17. Paul, he writes this to a young leader in the church. And he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. All the Bible. This has been breathed out by God. It's inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof. Reproof is when we get rebuked. We're off track and in our thinking or our behavior, and then the Scripture's taught, and then it rebukes us. It's like God, through His Word, just says, you're off track. So it's almost like we get kind of, we get a spanking at points. We get rebuked by God's Word. So I'm like, oh, that hurt, but it's true. Oh, but I needed to hear that. I don't like to hear that, but I needed to hear that. God's Word does that. It's for reproof or for correction. Once we've been reproved by God, correction is where God restores us. And He heals and He mends what was broken. He, he points us back in the direction He wants us to go and He corrects the behavior, the thinking. And He says that it's useful in all these things. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what do we do? We gather on a Sunday and all of us, you know, all of us in this room, we're either usually coming out of a horrendous week or we're heading into a horrendous week. Or we're coming out of a horrendous month, or we're heading into a horrendous month. That's common for all of us you know, on a given Sunday, and I, and I know that. I know that you know I'm not going to come here, and everyone's just had a peachy week. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough month. It's been a rough year. And life is coming at us, and so we can be easily just buffeted by the storms of life. And we need something clear and precise to move us forward on our decisions. How many times has it taken all the strength that you could muster just to get yourself here? You had a really rough week. You know, I just need to get, I need to hear from God and you hear what God has to say. And then, and then you come and God gives you the specific direction you need and you hear from Him. Not just generally, but He specifically, through His Word, communicates to you about your life. And I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and said, that was so weird. It was like you were speaking directly to me. Are you spying on me? Do you have a camera you put in my house? How do you, how does, well here's the truth and I'll just tell you. Here's the truth. I'm not that good. None of our staff that communicates, we're not that good. But God's word, it can do that. God's word has the ability to just specifically give the guidance and the direction and the answers that we need when we need it. He can give us the exact guidance or He can just give us enough light to lead us forward for today. Sometimes that's all He gives us. Sometimes He says, here's the next step for today, just take that step and we move forward in faith and obedience. And then He he reveals what's next when we need to know what's next. But it's amazing. That's what the Bible does. It's, It's like a compass. Also, it can be like an MRI. Now, an MRI is very different than these first two can function like this. An MRI, a magnetic resonance imaging. Okay, Now, here's a picture of the MRI chamber. I don't know what it's called, but 
I've done this before, and it's, it's somewhat of a frightening experience going in this machine. And if you've ever done this before, you know what that's like, and, and you're in this tight quarter, you're not supposed to move. And, and Now, here's the definition of what this provides. It's a technique that uses a magnetic field and radio waves to create detailed images of the organs and tissues within your body. So the Bible, it's, it's like this. It gives us the very best picture of what's going on inside of us. It brings amazing clarity to who I am, to who you are on the inside. It's, it's like an MRI. Sometimes I don't realize I've got a sin problem that is growing on the inside of me. And then Scripture, through Scripture, God exposes the problem out of love. And He shows me what's gone wrong in my life. It's like an MRI. He, oh, thank you, God. You showed me. I didn't realize that was how my thinking was off and how my behavior is getting off in this area. So it, it functions in that way. It can just zero in on what's going on internally. Look at Hebrews 4.12. This is a picture we get. Hebrews 4.12, the writer of Hebrews writes, For the Word of God, the Bible, is living and active. It's not this old, antiquated ice, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He's talking motives there. He's talking plotting and planning and secret thoughts in my mind. And The Word of God has the ability to cut through those things. That word discerning there in Greek is the word kritikos. And it means, you can hear the word critic in there, right? Critic. It's where we get our English word critic. Well, the Bible, what this thing is that the Bible is the very best discerner of us. It's, it's the best critic of my life. God's Word, the Scripture. It, it knows me. It knows you. And so as we gather together, it's like as a whole group, we're offering ourselves up to God and we're saying to God, God, here we are. Take a look. Take a look and let us know what you see. Every week, this is what we're doing. We're gathering, we're saying, God, just tell me what you see inside of me. And our motives start coming to light. This is what happens on Sundays. Our motives come to light. Our dark thoughts come to the surface. We begin to admit things to God. We might start opening up with Him, with others. We start getting a clear and accurate picture of what's getting in the way of our progress. Sometimes we're hitting wall after wall after wall and we make no progress. And God, through His Word, it just cuts through and gets to the core issue of what's blocking our progress in life. And you, you get that in this verse. You start seeing in this verse that God's Word, it cuts through the layers and connects the important dots of who we really are and what's going wrong. And in a very similar way, James tells us that the Bible is like a mirror. Look at what James says. James one twenty two. James writes, But be doers of the Word, and not hearers only. So this is the type of person God wants. He wants... A Bible doer, basically. He wants someone who does the Word of God. And not just hears the Word of God. The hearers only deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. It says, For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, meaning you look into God's Word, that's the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, what that means is you keep looking into the law of liberty. You keep looking into God's word regularly. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. 
Now I want you to see this picture here. This is very important to get in your mind about this passage of Scripture. Let's face it. We all want to think the best of ourselves, don't we? We all want to think the best of ourselves. This is why I don't want to weigh myself after a vacation. I mean, I don't. (laughs) I don't want to weigh myself after a vacation. I don't want to know the truth. This is why I don't want to reconcile my bank account. This is why I don't want to pull up my online account to see what did we just spend. It's because, you know, I'd rather walk away and just forget what I spent. Forget what I looked like. That's, that's what he's saying, to be just a hearer of the Word. And when it comes to our moral character, you know, the, the real you, the real me on the inside, it's why we don't like to be taught. So why don't we don't like to be corrected? It's why we we react when we feel judged. We don't like anyone shining a mirror up to us and saying, "Here's who you really are. This is what's really going on inside of you." But the Bible functions like a mirror, and so as we gather on a Sunday, what we're doing is we're holding up a big mirror before us as individuals and as a congregation. Why? Well, so that we don't just keep living life ignoring what's really there. We want to know and respond to what's really going on. And so we gather together and we say, God, we're all working on things. I've got, I've got some areas that are out of place. I clearly see it. You showed me today. I stepped in front of the mirror and I saw there's some things that are out of place. And God, I need to grow. I need to change. And also, this experience of a Sunday, it can fill us with courage to look around the room and to see others gathering around God's Word, allowing Him to just do His work in us. It it fills us with courage to look around and see people that you know are pressing forward. Despite the storms, despite the struggle, they're pressing forward to walk with God and to respond to His Word. So we spend a lot of time on Sunday morning reading verses from the Bible, focusing and highlighting on specific passages, trying to help people understand that this gives us direction, it provides a foundation, And it gives the clarity that we need to really live the life. Now yet the goal of our teaching on a Sunday is not merely for knowledge or just gathering ideas. Schools can do that. Libraries are full of books. You can do that in the library. The church is not designed to be like a school or a library. The church is designed to be a community of people committed to life change. That's what we want to be about. A community of people who are committed to life change. To taking what God says, to understanding it, so that we can apply it to our life. The truth is designed to change us. Therefore, the main goal of Sunday's teaching is to help people learn how to apply the Bible to daily life. This is what we're aiming for on a Sunday. When we communicate, this is our number one goal. We want to help people learn how to apply the Bible. Not just know the Bible, but to understand it in order to apply it to daily life. A compass is not helpful if it's just a paperweight on your desk. A compass is only helpful if you pick it up and you use it to provide direction daily as you travel. The more you use it, the more its its usefulness grows in your life. It's the same way with the Bible. The, The more often you come on a Sunday, you understand what God's saying, you connect with His Word, and then you think, ah, this is how it fits into my life. The more you go and you do something with it, the more useful that tool of the Scripture grows and becomes in your life. 
Look again at James 1, 25. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, according to this, and this is true and consistent in the Scripture, is that the blessing is in the doing, according to this. The blessing is found in the doing. The blessing is not in the knowing. So oftentimes we come to church to know more, but the blessing is not found there. The blessing is in the doing. It's in the application. As you live it out. That's what James says. Now, what a Sunday morning can't do is this. A Sunday morning can't just magically change my life. And these are some of the things that we hope will happen. If I go, I need a little more church in me. If I get a little more church in me, it'll change my life. Or this next thing, it'll fix my problems. A sermon won't fix your problems. It may show you that there is a problem, but it won't fix it. You know, the problem you left at work on Friday, it's waiting for you. It'll be there tomorrow. The problem that exists at home, this sermon isn't going to fix it. Also, a sermon can't save me. It's common thought in our day that by attending church and by listening to messages and sermons, you, you... you somehow get credit in heaven. You're getting points. And you can somehow cash that in and it'll pay for your, pay for your sin. But that's just not a scriptural teaching. All of us, we can spend years and years and years learning and listening to sermon after sermon and never actually change. How can that be? It's because the Bible was never meant to just be heard only. It was meant to be lived out and not just learned about. It was meant to be lived out. And so that's why we spend so much time preaching the Bible. Why not just have the the service last, you know, or go shorter and just sing? That's why we do. We want to get into the scripture. We want to, we want, you know, even our songs. We want that to be based on the scripture, because, again, it's 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 exactly what we need. So when we gather together on a Sunday, it's kind of like, you know, if you're a Christ follower, it's like we're gathering together. We're this troop, and we're waiting to hear the orders of our general. God's Word. God, through His Word, He's communicating to us what, what we're to do. So we'll be like, God, we hear You loud and clear. I've got my mission. I know what I need to focus on this week. I know how I can apply and respond to this this week. I'm, I'm ready to go. His Word is our mission. We want to get this into our life. Now, here's, here's what a Sunday message actually can do. It can help me see a different perspective that really challenges my own perspective. That's the level. It, it provides that level. Another thing is it can encourage me. So often, it provides this healing or hope that we need to keep going. It can convict me. Sometimes this is exactly what we need. We need need God's Word to just kind of correct something, convict me of something, show me the problem so that I would change. Sometimes it reveals a new value that that I realize, wow, I need to adopt that value. I, I hear something brand new, and it, it's like, wow, I, I've never been exposed to, to that before, that perspective before, that value before. And I, I, I need that in my life. One last thing is, a Sunday sermon is a major tool for getting us on the same page as a church. Many times, you know, through our messages and through our series, we're, we're gearing up for some season of outreach, of fellowship, of action of giving and we're trying to band together and get on the same page and so God's word gets us on the same page 
So we're not just gathering over ideas and opinions. We're gathering around God's holy word. And within the church community, we get to experience living the truth out together. God created us that we would be a people who live out the word of God together. And so this is why we gather. Here at OCC, we want to preach sermons that give a picture of how life you know, ought to look according to God's word. And so in closing, I want, I want to provide you with just some practical ways to get the most, real quick, get the most out of a message on a Sunday. These are tied to your senses. So here, here's how to get the most out of a message on a Sunday. Focusing on your eyes, your, your hands, ears, mind, and your mouth. First, maybe thinking and praying about these things before you get here on a Sunday, or even as you're engaging on a Sunday morning. With your eyes, ask God to help me remain focused and free from distraction. There's all sorts of things going on in our lives, and we've got a lot on our mind when we get here, and it's hard to, to bat those things away when they're, the thoughts are plaguing us, the challenges we're facing. And so, just asking God, God, help me to focus in and remain focused, to not drift in my attention. Have you seen the, the dog, the animated dog that's distracted by the squirrel? You know, it's focused on its mission, and then squirrel, and it's off. I think it's, I can't remember what movie that one is, but up, up got some parents here but, you know the dog is focused it's deadly and then all of a sudden squirrel and it's off chasing a squirrel and it loses focus it, we're squirrely i'm squirrely i have a hard time focusing focus josh focus so i have to ask god help me to focus my eyes so i won't get distracted or our hands god help me to you know take notes on what i'm what i'm learning this is a challenge some some people are just very thorough in their note-taking. They're just constantly scribbling and scribbling and scribbling. They go front and back, just notes, notes, notes. And then others, nothing. And others, just a couple statements. What I want to say with this is, as God speaks to you, if you don't somehow write it down or take note, put it in your phone, you're bombarded by another message as soon as you walk out of here. You turn on the music, the radio, the news, you have a conversation, your mind is focused elsewhere. So if God speaks to you about something specific and you don't write it down somewhere, you're going to miss it. So take notes. When God shows you, it doesn't have to be pages and pages, but maybe jot down the, the key things that you think God wants you to do. And then your ears. Ask God to help me hear what I need to hear. Help me hear. Not what someone else needs to do. So often we come to church, ooh, bring it, bring it, Josh. Bring it. She really needs to hear that. Oh, I'm so glad he's preaching on this today. She needs to hear Oh, yes. Or, is he here? Oh, he's not here. Dang it, this was perfect for them. They needed to be here. Rather than, God, what do you want me to hear today? What do you want me to do today? So often we're thinking about what others need to change. And remember, this is a mirror. It's not God shining the mirror in front of our friends and family. It's God's want us to do business with Him. Fourth, our mind. That I would ask God to help me to think clearly about one thing I need to apply to my life. God, help me to hear from you and apply something to my life today. What is it that you want me to do? And then finally, as He shares, you know, as He gives you a point of application, as you sense, this is what I need to do. Then share that insight with someone. You know, tell someone what you plan to apply. Maybe God says, you need to clear up a relationship. And that's the big application. God says, you, you need to clear up this relationship. You're bitter at this person. Or you need to confess this sin. 
and make that right. Or you, you know, there's a number of things that God says to us as we as we listen to His Word being taught. But it's where we say, you know, to a friend, you know, I was sitting there and I just, it was so clear. God wants me to get this straightened out. So I just want to let you know I'm going to straighten this thing out. Would you check with me that by the end of the week I would take care of this? You know, share it with someone. We don't often do this enough to where we are honest about what God is showing us. But but we can all be tired on Sundays. And if, if we're not tired, we can be overwhelmed by what's on our plate. And so we struggle. But God wants to speak every week to us. He wants to speak to us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss what He wants to tell us. So as I invite the band to come up, I want to encourage you to think through a way you can apply something specific that you've learned today. Apply something in your life. This week's next steps are all blank. This way you can just think through, what is it that God wants me to do? So is there something related to the level? You know, your perspective is off, your thinking is off, getting into comparison. I don't know if it's tied to that, or maybe it's the compass. There's a decision that's approaching that you need you need to bring to God, and there's something God has already given you clarity on in this time. Or maybe it's this idea of God's Word being an MRI. Is there, is there something eating away at you inside? Is there some, something that you're hiding inside? Something that you, that you want freedom from? God's Word, it can actually expose sin in our lives in order to bring forgiveness and freedom and healing. God's Word can do that. So, whatever it is God has spoken to you, uh, we want to give you some time to think this question through. And so I'm going to pray and then just going to ask you to just just be in a, a time of prayer. As Cody plays, we're just going to give you a moment. So I'm going to begin and then I'm just going to give you some time in silence to just sit and talk to God and, and ask Him to speak to you about what, what does He want you to do in response to today. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, the way it functions in our life and how desperately we need to hear from You. So God, I pray that you would speak to us now, Lord, about what exactly do you want us to do in response to what we've heard today and what we've been challenged with today. Lord, speak to us in this time. We ask it.